opportunities all throughout the day, moment by moment, to understand this statement, God restores. So how does he do that? What does that mean? Why does he restore? Well, I think we have to understand a little bit of the definition, right? What is restoration? Restoration means simply to put back. And I think sometimes we get it confused with redeem, which means to um, reinstate or to buy back. I don't want to talk to you about being redeemed. I want to talk about being restored because I think it's, it's different. Because being restored oftentimes requires an action. And not just actions on our part, but on the part of others. So we all play a role in our own restoration and the restoration of others. Powerful. Just like the psalmist says, David, after he was broken and hurt and gone through difficulty, he restores my soul. Psalm 23, right? Or Joel 2.25, when the, the author says, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Not redeemed, restore, to put back something that was broke or missing. And we can restore in fact, it's in Galatians, Galatians 6.1. He says, those of you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of anger and bitterness. No, what? Compassion, gentleness, kindness. So in that moment, after I was driving to church and it's very silent in the car, my kids are already, in a sense, redeemed. They're a part of our family, but the relationship because of what I said, because of my actions, because of my behavior was broken. I needed to restore. And what that looks like in our house is what we call a full apology. I am sorry for, will you forgive me? So I pull the car over, albeit in the parking lot of the church where I'm gonna be talking about attitude. And I want everybody there to think I have it all together. And I turn around and I said, guys, I'm sorry. I lost, I lost it clearly. Um, I'm sorry, will you forgive me for the things I said? And they said yes, and so now restoration can begin to happen. When I look at restoration, I look at Jesus kind of working with us. And not too long ago, a few weeks ago, I was looking at John chapter 11, the Lazarus story, and there's three important things in there that as I looked at it, I go, that's really good when it comes to restoration. And we have that large stone thing, right? So you remember the story. Uh, Jesus shows up. Lazarus is dead. And so there's three parts to it. A large stone needs to be moved. Large stone moved. Lazarus come out. Let him go. That's the story. Large stone moved. Lazarus come out. Let him go. And there's one of those things that Jesus did and two of those things that the people there did. So here's the question for you, something to think about. When, when Jesus got to the tomb and he said, guys, need to move the stone, roll it away. What if they said, I'm tired. You know, I haven't had a double cappuccino yet and I'm running late over to Mary and Martha's. Uh, it's just gonna be, do you think Jesus would have just kind of done a little thing, move stone? I think he may have just left because Jesus didn't do tricks. 
He involved people. In fact, if you look at his healings and miracles, most of them involved other people. Move the stone away. Nope. Okay. Bye-bye now. They said, okay, let's do it. So they all got together and they moved the stone. Then he said, Lazarus, come out. In fact, he yelled it. Lazarus, come out. <coughs> Lazarus, come out. And then once he was out, he turned to the people and said, okay, let him go. What if they had not let him go? Would he still be walking around, all bound up? And the smell, maybe you didn't want to get next to him. Here's the thing. All of us are messed up. All of us are broken. And sometimes our brokenness, we um, stir in it. And there's a difference between being ashamed and being guilty. Sometimes we feel shame and sometimes we feel guilt. I think shame is wrong. Because shame is this is who I am. Guilt is this is what I did. You are not shamed. God came to redeem that. I'm talking about restoring, especially if you've blown it in your behavior. I don't know if you've blown it in your behavior. Or as a parent, I blow it regularly as a parent. I get upset at the dumbest things. The guys in Starbucks that talk on the phone like nobody's here, and we're all trying to like be, you know, I'm like, God, can you make him move, please? And you go, Craig, bad attitude. I know, but I know you have it too. How about this? Let's explore a little deeper. How about, you ever lied to your spouse? Not a big lie, just a small one. Kind of bend the truth a little bit. <coughs> ever lie to your kids? Ever cheat on your taxes? Ever look at somebody of the opposite sex and go, I think it may be better over there. Ever cross the line? I have. What does that look like? What does that feel like? See, I like everybody to think of me like this. Looks good, well arranged, some nice color. And we can just kind of move this around and we go, oh, look, that's fantastic. Look at that. It's great. See, I want people to look at me like that, whether I'm at home or whether I'm at church. And the funny thing is I want to look more like that to people I don't know versus the people I do know. On the way to church, I've had these several times where you're getting in the car, you've got to make service on time, and you're trying to get there, and you're hurrying, you're rushing. Like, get in the car, kids. Stop it. Don't. Honey, please do not get on them. They're great. Okay, we'll get you a donut when we get there. Stop don't touching me. Stop. I'm going to hit you. Boom, boom. Things all thing. You get in the car, and you're arguing, yelling. Stop it. What are you doing? Don't touch him. Don't touch her. You're grounded until Jesus comes back. Don't threaten. I'm going to get you. Right? And we're all upset, and we're driving. We're all wound up. We get there, and we pull into church, and what happens? Hey, how are you? All right, God bless you. All right, nice to see you. Okay, good. That's it. Still it. All right, hey, how are you? Nice to see you, Jim. It's fantastic. Get praying? Yeah, this week, yeah, power, powerful quiet times. Great. <laughs> Colossians 3. Colossians 3, it's good. And all things that he may come to have first place. I know, man, number one. I gotcha. I got Stop it! Why? Why do we have the two different people? Now, listen, there's certainly a decorum, but... How far apart are we in our behavior and what we do when people aren't looking? I can remember 
thinking that my marriage was fantastic, my family was fantastic. This is how I thought of our marriage. It was great. My wife had been trying to get me to go to counseling for like 10 years. No, no, no. I'm not going to counseling. Are you kidding? If I go to counseling, that means I need help. And clearly, I don't need help. Everybody else needs help. I help other people. What if I go to counseling and someone looks at me and says, they're in counseling. How can you help me? I want to look good. I want to be this. I want people to think of me like this. Until one day. One day while my wife was out shopping, I actually was doing a little house cleaning. I sat down and I heard a crunch under me on the sofa. And so I kind of looked at my kids. Uh, they kind of, wherever they finish eating, that's where they put their stuff. And they will shove it underneath. So I'm pulling out Doritos bags and chip bags. And I'm going, oh, come on. What's going on? Then I reach under it and I find a book. And the book turned out to be my wife's journal. And I opened it. Randomly, not page one, no table of contents. I just opened it. First words I read, I hate my husband. I hate my husband. And that's how it started. I hate my husband. This can't be my wife's journal. I'm, I'm a good guy. People like me. If you back up a little bit, I'll tell you how it started. Disassociation, disconnection at home. And then I would go to church. And the people at church liked me. They did. The better program, the, the better the ministry ran. Uh, typically, you get a little bit more money. And typically, in the secular world, you'll get a corner office with windows. I, I never had an office with windows in children's ministry. Uh, I, I, uh, because I, I know why now, because we, we cry in there. Uh, <laughs> break down. But usually, if you're doing well, you're, you're rewarded. Success is rewarded. Workaholism is the only rewarded addiction in our country. And it is the root of many things that go on to hurt not only ourselves but others. And so my wife and I had a conversation about this journal, I Hate My Husband, and I tracked it back. I'd come home and get in arguments with my wife. You know what? I don't, I don't like being here. Because it's always an argument. I like going to church. And you know what? Church is really good because they like me. They like what I'm doing. So I'll spend 45 hours here. And then I'll go over here. And I don't want to spend any more time over here because it's another argument. Let me spend 50 hours a week here. I know. So then we come back here. And how am I spending my time? And you know what? I really don't want to be here. And I'm almost not liking you. I want to spend time over here. These people, they even tell me how good I am and how much they like me. And sometimes... The line gets blurred. You know what? I'm going to, first of all, thank you for saying that. I appreciate, I know, I know it's home is uh, it's a little bit of a nightmare, but, but thank you for sharing that. Uh, yeah, I would, I would love to go to Starbucks and have a coffee with you. And then you go back home and you get in, and you go, why did I get in this relationship? She doesn't appreciate anything. He doesn't appreciate anything. You know what? That lady, that guy over here, they keep feeding my ego. They tell me how good I am, how they like spending time with me. Why would I even want to come and spend time here? Now I'm spending 70 hours, and what can I do to hide at home? And at some point, that line gets erased and gets erased and gets moved and gets moved and gets moved. No one 
goes into a affair. You don't wake up on Friday and go, no, I'm going to have an affair today. You grow into an affair. You drift into an affair. And when you drift, you never drift into health. You always drift into inappropriateness and unhealthy behavior because you always drift to the least point of resistance until you wake up one day and go, I'm going over the cliff. So what happens? What does it mean? I want people to view me a certain way, and now my life is broken. What do I say? What do I do? I actually wanted people to kind of come around me. I thought that's what would happen. You know, sometimes, I don't, and I don't know if you've experienced this. Um, have you ever been broken and then had folks walk on your brokenness? And we will use things like, well, you know what? It serves them, them right. They shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done that. She should not have said that. They're they getting what they deserve. But you know what the reality is? This is not what God designed. And the reason for restoration is simply this, is because God wants to put back what was broken. And I know what you're saying right now. Craig, yeah, I, I get it. I have been walked on. I've done that. And yes, it was my own hand that did it. Now what? Can that be put back together? I'm going to suggest to you that it can't. However, I believe something new can come out of that. See, courage, as it was originally defined, was from a Latin word, cur, meaning heart. And so courage, the original meaning, was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. And I find myself saying, I don't want to share that. I don't want to be vulnerable because if I am vulnerable again, then I will hear the sound. I'll get an email. I'll get a note. I'm sitting over here 20 minutes ago going, just be funny. Just entertain. And God says no. Because I didn't come to redeem, buy you back, and restore, to put back. Because of this one thing. Your story. My story. You know, I read a little further in John chapter 12. The mob was coming after Jesus, or so I thought. All the time, I thought it was this mob coming after Jesus. You know what? The mob wasn't coming after Jesus in John chapter 12. You know who they were coming after? Lazarus. Lazarus. So you have this broken pieces. Now, we look at that and we go... God can't do anything with that. And that may be fair because in our brokenness, sometimes we blame others. We don't take responsibility. You got to own your stuff. That's what 17 months of counseling taught me. You got to own your stuff. You got to own your crap, as they would say. Now, we can take our brokenness and hand this out, and we can use our words to cut and our stories behind people's back to hurt, and we can stab, and we can make others... Um, afraid. 
You can offer that, because that's part of brokenness. I don't know that we want to do that. See, there's other things that come out of brokenness. The things that were in here, there was some beauty in here to start with. Now, we often forget this. Joel 2.25 exists for this. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And I don't care what you have done or what has happened. Your story may have been altered or changed, but it's your story. And we need to be courageous with it. And here's what I tell people and I tell my kids. You don't have to tell everybody everything, but you need to tell somebody something. You don't have to tell everybody everything, but you need to tell somebody something. It starts with courage, facing that fear, being vulnerable. And now we have these things that have come out of this brokenness. Now, we can just let them sit there and die, and we can let it go in a pile. Or we can take what has happened in our life, and we can give these to people. You can either hand them brokenness and cutting and sharpness, things that hurt, stab. You can do all of those things. The interesting thing is the carnation. Do you know the carnation, according to some, the more you rough it up, the more you touch it, the more fragrant it becomes. I will tell you, that wasn't me. I would hear something, I would get mad, I would get upset, and I was more like a rose, looking good. If you touch me, I'd wither, and I have thorns, stay away. But brokenness does things to people. So I got into counseling, 17 months of counseling, and I will tell you, I wanted to hide in counseling. I wanted to hide in counseling. If you've never been to counseling, there's a small little room that you go into, and then there's a bunch of doctors listed, and you push the button, and it kind of lights up the doctor's name, and I don't know what happens if a little gerbil runs down and gets the doctor, I don't know what goes on, but then they come out, hey, how are you, and they take you, and then you go back in, you do your 45 minutes, and our counselor was a counselor who only saw pastors. You know why? Because we can kind of bull our way through a bunch of stuff. We're really good at faking it. I tried to, I tried to fake our counselor for four months, and he would just kind of do the same thing. Oh, okay. Just that little laugh. And go out the back door. 45 minutes of counseling, out the back door. We did that until one day it just blew apart. And I will tell you, if you're going to go to counseling, hang in there. It gets worse before it gets better. I wish somebody would have told me that, Craig. It's going to get much worse. It can't get worse. So we're in counseling. We're, we're having a difficult session. And he would always tell us, listen, don't go through the front. Go out the back. Why? Well, because at the time I was at a church of... Uh, Thousands of people, 15,000, 20,000. And I don't want to go on the prayer list. I don't want to go on the, I'll go on a prayer list of a church of 60. I don't want to go on a prayer list of 15,000. Why? Because now my crap is everybody else's gossip. And I don't want to get stepped on again and again and again. Well, in this session, I had had it and I didn't care. I had lost everything. I'm walking out, I'm going out the front, and both my wife, Mary and Jim, our counselor, goes, no, 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 and I opened the door, and of course, sitting right there in one of the three chairs, the room is very small, three by three at the max, sitting there, she looks up and goes, oh, Pastor Craig, and I thought, great. Now, my crap is her crap, and how fast can it spread? Thank God for social media. Let's make it, you want a picture? How about a selfie together in the, in the counseling office? That'd be great? Okay, good. We leave 
that session and in the parking lot, I turned to my wife and started to blame her. See, see, she's like, you walked out front. I, I didn't want to walk out. You made me walk out. You know, it's your fault anyway that we're here. We argue. Picture argument in the parking lot of a counseling center. That is the definition of messed up. Most people have the argument in the counseling center. We took it outside for everybody to see. Then we got in separate cars and left. Next week, same scenario, same thing. We walk out right there in the middle. There she is again. She's kind of crying a little bit, but she kind of had herself together. And we walked out. She goes, oh, guys, I am so glad you are here again. Me too. Thank you so much. High five. Bye-bye. You know, we don't, it's like, you don't want to get into a counseling and go, okay, so tell me what your issue is. Here's how bad I was. I would sit in the counseling center going, they're probably more messed up than I am, I think. What are they in for? They got a marriage issue? I don't know. I don't trust them. You start to, comparison is the root of all inferiority. Why do we make fun of other people or talk about other people who are broken? Because we feel shame ourselves. And if I can redirect Maybe they'll look over there and not see me. So we're standing in the counseling center in the lobby. And she said, hey, I just want to thank you guys. I said, thank us. What do you mean, thank us? She said, I, I just want to thank you. For what? She says, you know, every week, every week, my family drives us here to counseling. And they won't come in. They say counseling's for weird people. So they don't come in. They, they sit in the car and wait for me. I said, okay. They here last week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were here last week. It's fantastic. Good. They saw you and Mary came out, you know. I said, that's good. Good. <laughs> and on our way home, they said they saw you come out and you got in your car and left, and we started to have a conversation. And they said this to me. If Craig and Mary can go to counseling, then we can go to counseling as a family. Just, just by watching us come out, they said, okay, if they can go, we, we can go. It must be not, it can't be that bad. And I started thinking. Why do they want to kill Lazarus? Because of his story. And I think if our enemy can keep us quiet and not share our story, then he wins. I don't want him to win. If we can open up and be vulnerable, Again, not telling everything to everyone, but telling something to someone, I think is a step. And you come to a conference to get ideas, and you go, I, I wasn't prepared to hear that. How does this help my children's family ministry again? Can you do a magic trick, or can you share three ideas? <laughs> I can remember sharing one time, you know, you can have a huge, successful ministry and be dying in your soul. And I've been challenged on that. Craig, that's not true. It's true in one case. You're listening to them. 
but I know God's design is to restore. And I want to end with this. The folks are going to come around. There's going to be a basket that's passed, and it's not an offering. Um, actually going to take something out. It's a name tag. It says, hello, my name is. You've seen them before. And so as those are passed in the baskets, just take one out. Uh, going to hold it in your hand. And you're going to think about this. It's not what you're called. It's what you answer to. It's not what you're called. It's what you answer to. Listen to this. Large stone moved. Lazarus, come out. Let him go. Lazarus, come out. That was a command. It was a shout. Lazarus, come out. Not dead dude. Hey, come on out. Friend. Lazarus name. Lazarus. What does Lazarus mean? It's powerful. Lazarus means God will help. Lazarus come out. We could all be Lazarus. It's not what you're called. It's what you answer to. Idiot come out. Drunken come out. Gal that had an affair come out. Liar come out. Cheater on your taxes come out. Fake person come out. No. What are you going to answer to? The enemy will tap you on the shoulder. He may send other people. Little email, little social media, little text, a little news over here talking about what happened over there and this thing. And the enemy will use that. And we walk on other people's brokenness. No, no more. You're not going to answer to anything other than, hello, my name is grace, mercy, compassion, empathy, love, kindness, validation, courageous. And that's going to kind of be our activity, a, a moment, is when you get your name tag, hello, my name is, you're not going to put your name there. You're going to put what now, from this point on, you are going to answer to. I'm going to answer to grace. Yeah, but you're a liar. No, no, no. I'm a child of God, and I'm answering to grace. Tap you on the shoulder. No, you're a cheater. You're a fake gossiper. Anger. No, no, no. I, I do make those choices sometimes, and they're wrong, but that's not me. I feel no shame because of redemption. My guilt because of my behavior, God can put back. I can restore. He restores my soul. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Then what does it say? We can draw near with confidence, with boldness to his throne of grace and may receive grace and mercy to help us in time of need. Hello, my name is liar. No more. Hello, my name is grace. So the band's going to come. And we're just going to do an extended worship time, a time of reflection, a pause to, to find the word. Hello, my name is. And on each side of the stage, there's just kind of a um, papered black board. And when the moment is right for you, when you feel the, the Holy Spirit is talking to you, what are you going to answer to? You're going to write name that name down. You're going to kindness, honor, good parent. We've all blown it. We're all messed up. I think 
Lazarus' story was powerful. I think your story, no, I know your story is powerful. And if you can reach down in courage and share a moment, a moment to help someone else and get together in community, there is no one that can stop us, not the enemy or anyone he sends. And I'll tell you, sometimes when I break that as the second time I've done it, I'll just give you this authentic piece. I've never shared this in public. It hurts. I don't like doing that. It was a tough morning talking to my wife. I just said, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. It's easier to write about it or blog about it, but not talk about it. Because now I got to look you in the eye. And I don't like that. But here's what I know. The enemy cannot maneuver well in the light. And God's power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, we forget the past and we reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on. I will not give up. I'll continue the fight. My family, restored. Relationship with my kids, restored. Relationship with my wife, restored. We wrote a book about it. We didn't want to say anything to anybody. We're walking out the back door and God says, well, let me, let me spin this one for you. How about you write it down and let's sell a few thousand copies? How about that? We're just going to spread it around. Great. Thank you, God. <laughs> the great news is it's not what you're called. It's what you answer to. So in this moment, just take some time when you feel led, write down what you're going to answer to, come forward and place them on the sideboards. Let me pray for you. God, I feel your presence in this place. I, um, I don't like sharing this. It's hard. I pray that you continue to give me courageous opportunities. And God, I pray for those that are sitting that um, have stuff in the deep, dark crevices and um, they don't want to let it out, that they would at least be prompted to say something to someone. And then somebody immediately be sent to them to wrap their arms around them and not walk on them and to love them back, to put them back, to restore, to put back. God, prop their heart, lead them now as we um, worship you. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you for the leadership. May we glorify you over these next few days. We pray it in the power of Christ's name. Amen.